going to um, start now. Yes, okay, perfect. So uh, we're going to start with uh, reading the book of Acts, chapter 15. We're going to read the whole chapter to understand what we're going to do today. So it says, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate, uh, had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem, the, the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles abroad great joy to all of the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter, and after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the necks of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take, them, um, to take them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and will restore it. And the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by name, says the Lord, who make these things know from, the, from old. Therefore, my, my judgment is that we should not trouble these, those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. For, there, for from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogue. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers, with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, 
and settling your minds, although we gave them no instructions. It had seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from, from that that has been sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from this, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves, themselves prophet, prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after, that, and after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the, by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Now this is the kind of what we're going to be looking today. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to, to the work. And there rose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers of, to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the church. Let us pray and ask God to, to guide us with this. Heavenly Father, we are grateful, Lord, that you have allowed us uh, to come together as a family, to listen to your word. Father, we want our hearts to be ready to receive what you have prepared for us. Lord, help us to be shaped, help us to grow into maturity, help us to be humble, Lord. Father, we ask you today, there's gonna be many disagreements in our lives that we're gonna have to face, conflicts uh, and things, Father, that sometimes unsettled us. So Father, I pray that today as we read your word, as you speak unto us, Lord, that you will help us, Lord, to, to learn how to resolve conflict, to learn how to hear your word, uh, how to hear your voice, to learn, Father, to be guided by your Holy Spirit so that we can bless the church, so that we can be a blessing to the world. Father, I pray that every word uh, from your word that's spoken, Lord, will grow and bring fruit into our hearts. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So the title is Resolving Conflict. Now, you know, we, there's three main characters that we're going to have a look at today, which is Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark. And, uh, and, and it's about resolving conflict, disagreement that happens, you know, in, in our lives. It may happen on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, but certainly it happens, you know, when you, uh, two people, have different views, have different opinions, and a disagreement sometimes can be a collision, can be an ideolo ideological crash, 
uh, because the personalities that we have are different. We are just different from each other. Sometimes both people you know, see the, uh, have the right uh, decision or have the right way of seeing things, but they just don't agree on how they want to do things, which may be the case here in, when we look at, at Barnabas and, and Paul. But, and sometimes we need to, you know, we say, we just need to agree to disagree. And that is being respectful, and that is something that we need to learn sometimes to just do. You know, that if, if you don't see things from my point of view, that's okay. I might not be able to see things from your point of view, but we're going to agree to disagree. We're not going to allow this to affect our relationship. And I think one of the things that sometimes we misunderstand, we think that when we become Christians, all of a sudden everything should be going our way. And Jesus never promised us that. In fact, in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. If anything, we need to expect tribulations. That is part of the package of being a Christian. We are going to find uh, you know, that our life is not going to be all nice and rosy, that it is going to be difficult times. That, that should be our expectation. Just know that there's sometimes going to be difficult times, even among Christians. And I think that's the most difficult one for us, because I think we think, well, but how and, and why should we not agree on something? If you are a Christian and I am a Christian, then why can we not you know, be happy and rejoice. And that's just because we are human beings that sometimes for our pride and our decisions and the way we think before God's work. But I also like an illustration that I, I, I read or I heard a, a while ago. And uh, this person was, was saying that, you know, sometimes we are, you know, if we, if we want to um, think of, of conflict kind of in terms of, of tools. He says sometimes we can be like the nail that is going on the wood. And you think, and, and then a brother or a sister is the hammer that's just going onto that nail and is hurting you. You're thinking, why are you hurting me? And you don't realize that that, that is part of, of the process. That is because, you know, when that nail goes into that wood, it's going to make a bigger work. Sometimes we only see the small picture. We don't see the big picture. God is doing something with us. God is making something with us. And sometimes, you know, our brother or our sister is that hammer that is shaping something that God is using or allowing in our lives. But we don't understand it and we're the nail and thinking, why are you being so tough on me? Why are you hurting me? But if we were able to see the bigger picture, we would be able to understand that God is working in this. And that's why we need to be humble. That's why we need to be shapeable and moldable. And so when we see, you know, sometimes I said as Christians, we find that the most difficult part when two Christians clash or, or, or affect each other. And we, but we see here with Paul and Barnabas, they, the Bible tells us that they came to a sharp disagreement something so hard for them or something so strong for them that it created that they parted ways that they could not work together as one and they went to different ways 
And the funny thing is that this actually happened after a great victory, after the Council of Jerusalem, where they were, uh, you know, as a church came into an agreement that, you know, the Gentiles don't have to become Jews. They don't have to be circumcised to, to follow Christ. That they've received Christ by grace and they should follow Christ. Just they should abstain of certain things, which was sin. But they didn't have to become Jews in order to follow Jesus, you know, to, in, in order to be Christ-like. And it feels like, you know, it was a great victory, but then the disagreement comes straight after. And sometimes that is what life is all about. Sometimes, you, you know, we have our highs and we have our lows. This, something interesting, though, between Barnabas and Paul is that Barnabas was actually the one that kind of helped Paul when none of the other uh, disciples wanted Paul near them. Because remember, Paul was a, a persecutor of the Christians. He would you know, make sure that these people who were following Jesus, they were in the wrong path. And, 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 and he was part of, of, those, uh, of, of sending orders to kill Christians. So when all of a sudden uh, Paul uh, has a conversion, a supernatural conversion with Jesus, uh, all of the other disciples did not believe him. They mistrusted him. And Acts chapter 9, verse 26 and 27 says, And when he had come, Paul, had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Verse 28, so he went in and out among them in, at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. So Barnabas became kind of a, a, a helpful brother in, in Christ to Paul, to encourage him to get him you know, part of, of this big family that God was creating in, in the book of Acts. He had embraced, Barnabas had embraced Paul and even, you know, um, made him, you know, be part of, of, of this other circle of, with the other disciples. And so we see eventually, you know, what, so I will, I will, I want to share with you three things that we need to do when we find ourselves in conflict. Now, when I was um, kind of, when I came with this topic, it was because a, a while ago, a, a, a few weeks ago, Pastor um, Rod was preaching about the church, remember, but he was saying, you know, sometimes we want, uh, we want to, to have people, Christians uh, want to think that the church of the Book of Acts was the best church and that's the prototype. And, and I was one of them. And I was, so when I had the time to talk to him, I said, Pastor Rod, but isn't that kind of the best type of church? Because they had signs and wonders and miracles and people were saved. Isn't that, you know, what we should aspire to? And, he, and then, you know, he began to tell me, that, for example, this story of, of Paul and Barnabas. And then I realized, okay, then I, I've got it all wrong. My, what I thought was the best is actually not really. We, we should aim for something even better than that. So I can't, that's, that's how I came up with this story and then also looking at other things in my own life when there had been conflict in my life ha has been also a, a way to inspire me for this message so number one when in conflict with anyone pray 
when in conflict with anyone, pray. Pray to see the other person's perspective. You know, sometimes we say we need to be able to, to wear the other person's shoes or to see things in the other person's perspective. Sometimes we only see things on my way, but I saw this or I feel like this or, you know, this is how things should be done. And sometimes we need to also be able to pray to God and say, Lord, you know, I'm upset about this situation or this is happening. It could be at home, in, in our work, in, in different situations. But God, help me to see how they see it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe they are right, but help me, Lord. So when we put things in prayer, then we're able to, to, to allow God to work during that difficult situation. It's not an easy, I know it's not easy when conflict happens because, you know, I think we do want to be at peace with everyone. We do want to, you know, be able to, to love everyone and to be loved by everyone. That's, you know, obviously, that's our expectation. That is not reality. Because sadly, there will be people who just won't love us. There's nothing we can do about that. But there is something we can do about loving people. There's something that we can change in our hearts towards someone else. We can't change people and we can't force people to love us because that will be something that they have to resolve in their hearts. If they have a situation, an issue with us, we can't change them. But I can change myself to, to, to do and to be a Christ, have a Christ-like attitude with my brothers and sisters and with other people at large. In this case, I, you know, we can see how the Apostle Paul really and, and Barnabas, both of them, you know, they had they, they have made the decision, they, they chose something that they felt this is the right thing to do. And we're going to develop this a little bit more. But at the end of the day, we can see, well, I can see two things with the Apostle Paul. One, that he was wrong about John Marcus. Because eventually we see how Paul says, actually, I want John Marcus because he really is useful to me in ministry. That's one. And the other thing we can also see but that, that, that Paul also at the end, uh, not that he was wrong about his, the way he saw John Marcus, but also that he was able to, to bring a restoration. And that is also maturity. That is also growth. And that is something that we also need to learn. We will also make mistakes. We will also misjudge people. But the important thing is to also be able to reconcile when guided by God. The other thing we need to pray about is for God to mold our hearts. Because sometimes, don't dismiss, don't dismiss God when, uh, don't dismiss God because God may be working through these circumstances that you're going through. God might have allowed these difficulties that you experience, which is painful, I know it's painful, but God might allow it because he wants to do something in your heart, because he wants to do something with you. It doesn't matter about the other person, it's about us. I can only change myself, I can't change other people. When we allow God to mold our hearts, we are giving ourselves the opportunity to trust again, to believe again. You know, for example, losing a job does not equate to defeat. It could be an opportunity for something different, for something better. Especially in Christ, you know, what the world might call defeat, in Christ it could be a catalyst of success. 
what the world calls it's the worst situation, the worst thing that's happened to you, God cannot change it into good. In Christ, that what the enemy tried to use to do, to destroy us, to kill us, to, to completely mess us up, God can turn that curse into a blessing. Only in Christ can we have those huge changes. Also, pray that you don't become self-righteous, that you don't forget the grace that was given to you. <clears throat> it's so easy when, we're, when, when we are okay, when everything's going our way, you know, when maybe we were able to leave all sin that, you know, our past life, maybe when we were able to let go of a lot of, lots of messy things in our lives, and all of a sudden we're walking with Christ, and all of a sudden we are filled with Christ, and we have a good, you know, relationship with Christ. We are holy. It's so easy to point the finger at those who are not following Christ. It's so easy for us to feel superior or better than them. And I say this because we can see this in Paul. The, the reason why Paul did not want to take John Marcus with, with them in this missionary trip was because at some point, uh, John Marcus, uh, John Mark, sorry, I'm, I'm changing his name. Uh, oh, I will just call him Mark. Because Mark had uh, left them kind of midway through their first missionary trip, or the first mi uh, missionary trip that they had done. And so Paul did not trust him. Paul thought, you left us the first time, you might leave us again, so I don't think I want to trust you this time again. But at the same time, Barnabas, who was Mark's cousin, could see or maybe knew that God had done something in Mark's heart and he wanted to trust him. Remember, it was Barnabas who trusted Paul when no one else would, when, when everyone else was afraid of Paul. It was Barnabas who opened the door for him to be part of the, the rest of the apostles to get to know the other disciples. So something that we can learn about Barnabas, Barnabas was someone who trusted in people even when they failed. Barnabas was someone who opened the doors with someone, even if someone it was their second opportunity. Now, Paul himself was kind of had this thing on him, that he was, you know, murderer of Christians. That's why all of, all of the other disciples did not believe that he had been saved or changed. And so, if anything, Paul would, should have been the one who said, actually, okay, Mark didn't, you know, he, he left us the first trip, but maybe, you know, this time we can trust him again, we can believe in him again. But in this, at this time, Paul just fell, no, I'm not going to trust you, I need to go. One was thinking, maybe, his, maybe Barnabas was thinking, you know, relationship, relationship. Paul was thinking mission, mission. You know, I'm not going to let one person, you know, take us away from the mission. Where we need to go. We need to keep on preaching the gospel. Barnabas was, was thinking relationship. Mark needs to be restored. Mark wants to, wants to um, maybe make up for his first failure. So this is important that we don't forget when someone, you know, wants to be involved that we don't forget the grace that was also extended to us. Sometimes it's so easy to forget that, and we need to pray, God, help us to remember what you forgave us of so that we can also extend the same grace to others. The second thing is when in conflict, 
I said, be flexible. <laughs> take, a take a step back and think, be flexible. What, what do I mean by be flexible? It means that sometimes we need to change. And I think change is one of the most difficult things that, um, that uh, affects people. Change is one of the things that we want to do the least. And um, I was reading a story of, of, you know, even the church, I think Pastor Rod was talking before about, for example, you know, when instruments came into the church and how the church said, no, instruments are a worldly thing. The church should not have them. And um, I was reading the story of a church that uh, when the, the children's school teacher first brought flannel graph to the pig Bible stories. Now, flannel, flannel graphs were, because uh, we need to describe this. This is like, you know, using cassette or, or walkie, uh, uh, what do you call it, the, the walkies, you know? The, the, okay, so flannel, flannel graphs were kind of material made of flannel, big materials made of flannel, where they would put the Bible characters so, and they could, you could stick them kind of in front and talk about the different Bible stories. But apparently at the time, she was considered an innovator, but in those days, only businesses used funnel graphs as a, present, as a representation tool, to usually to graph out profit, loss trends, or to map out future plans. So many people said, you have brought a secular device into God's sacred house, and that's funnel graphs. Then, years later, uh, a forward-thinking pastor uh, set up an overhead projector uh, beside the pulpit. And some of the church members say, why don't you just teach us from the Bible? Why use all this worldly stuff? Now, remember the um, projectors were, I don't know if, if some of you might remember, again, it was when you would put the plastic, um, you had to rewrite, I think rewrite the letters or sometimes print them uh, to see the words projected in front of you. So again, people didn't like that. that. Bringing that into the church, that is the worst thing you could do. That is a worldly thing that should not be used in church. And then the favorite one, and I think this is going to make you laugh, a youth pastor decided to use film uh, to grab the attention of young people. So he, and this is still old. So these are, uh, this says, so he, he gathered the teens one evening at the church and ran the movie for a, and, and the house was packed or the church was packed. And it was a Christian film. It was a story from the mission film. And the leaders, still the leaders of the congregation called him into a private meeting for a confrontation. And he asked them, why are you upset? What's wrong with showing a Christian film, he asked. We show slides of missionaries all the time. Now, again, this is the old one where you would put one by one the slides and see the pictures, still pictures. Um, so that he said, you know, we show slides, slides of missionaries all the time. And we have pictures all over the walls of this place. One board member responded. This is funny. He responded, if it's a still, it's fine. If it moves, it's sin. If it was a still picture, it was fine. But if it moves, that is a sin. You know, and I think as a church, not City Temple, but as a church, sometimes we are the last ones to progress into change. Because we think that everything else that outside the world is using is, is a sinful thing to use here in church. When we, we have to be progressive we need to think of some of those things we can use some of those things and it's not a sin 
Same thing with the instruments. You know, there was times where uh, the drums were from the devil. And now it's, drums is a good thing. You know, you see in the Bible symbols and, and, and the, um, the, the, the way that the drums, you know, makes us feel like we want to rejoice, we want to jump. And it's about being flexible. It, it, it's about allowing change as well. But also, it's about being humble. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. We need to be humble for change. We need to be humble in conflict. We need to be peacemakers. That is our calling. We need to be peacemakers. Not to let people just trample over us because sometimes we need to make a stand for Christ. Not for my position, but for Christ. Because my position may be wrong, and that's why we need to pray about it. But we need to be humble and allow God to work in our lives. And lastly, the third thing, when in conflict, persevere. It's so easy. We live in a society that is, <clears throat> if it doesn't work, get a new one. If it's not working, throw it away, get a new one. And that is not, and I'm not talking about, you know, items. Sometimes it's also about relationships. This marriage is not working. It's okay, I can get a divorce and get a new husband, a better husband, a better wife. And the problem is that we don't persevere, that we're not really dying to some of our things. We, we sometimes just, it's easier to just give up. It's easier to just give up. It's easier to just throw in the towel because it means that then I don't have to face the problem. You know, I have a problem in the church or I have a problem in my job. That's okay. I'm going to uh, resign. I'm going to go into a new job because we don't want to face the situation because we don't want to. And that won't allow you to grow. It won't allow you to mature. It won't allow you to move on because you might find the same conflict or the same situation in the other place. And then hopefully you'll realize that the problem wasn't your friend, that the problem wasn't your boss, that the problem wasn't the pastor or the leader in the other place, that there's maybe something to do with you. Because if you find the same conflict, if you find the same situation in the new place that you're moving, there may be something that you need to change. That's what I said before. It's not about us changing people. It's about us changing ourselves because that's the only person we can hopefully change. Persevering your marriage. When you got married, you made the promise to be in the good and in the bad times. You made a commitment. A commitment needs, needs to be, it needs to be, needs perseverance. A commitment means that you need to stay strong. Persevere and be faithful. Eventually, we read of John Mark that although he did leave Paul and Barnabas during their missionary trip, he eventually, he did persevere in Christ. And he became the writer of the gospel bearing his name. He grew in maturity and won Peter's trust. We see in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13, uh, Paul says, She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends 
you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Paul added John Mark to be part of his team. In John, uh, John Mark is especially requested by Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Luke alone is with me, says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. This is, this is nice to read there was reconciliation, to read that Paul was able to also give Mark a, a second opportunity eventually to restore something that God wanted to happen. This is, this is amazing when we're able to see that. But I also see that God worked in John Mark's heart as well. Because maybe, you know, John Mark could have said, actually, no, Paul, you know, you didn't want me the first time. This time I'm not going to go with you. You know, he could have been resentful, and he wasn't. He wasn't. He went there. He, he worked for the Lord. He did. And we see, we can, we're able to read what God was able to do. Now, it's important that we understand. We don't need to be like Barnabas. We don't need to be like Paul. We don't need to be like John Mark. We don't need to be like anyone else. We need to be like what God called us to do, what God called me to do. You are unique. You have unique talents. You have unique gifts that you possess because God has allowed it for you to have what you have. They, they, when we become powerful, when we become um, strong, is when we're able to use all of your talents, your talents, our talents together to become one. When we are able to put aside this, uh, our own personalities, you know, sometimes it's difficult. I know we can all be difficult because we think in a certain way or we like doing it in a certain way. But if we just learn to be flexible, if we just learn to, to allow change into our life, if we just let, allow to learn from other people, we are going to be much better, stronger. God used Barnabas his way. God used Paul in his way. God used John Mark in his way. And God wants to use you in the way that he made you, in the way that he created you. You don't have to be like anybody else. You don't have to imitate anyone else. God wants you the way you are, with the gifts that he's given you, with the talents that he's given you. Let us ask God to help us to pray when we're in conflict, to be flexible or open to change, and to persevere. Don't give up. Don't give up on a relationship. Don't give up on a situation that you might be going through. I know it's easier sometimes to just move and, 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 and try to avoid maybe all the messiness of the conflict. But I can tell you that after you go through the conflict, after you're able, allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, when you kind of walk the other side, you'll see a big change, a big difference in your life. I hope that when we read um, the book of Acts, you're able to see Paul, Barnabas, Mark in a different light, how God um, worked in their hearts and how God did amazing things in them. And he can do the same thing with us. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful, Lord, for your word. 
We are so grateful, Father, that you speak unto us through your word, through the Bible, Lord. And we are grateful for the life of Paul, Barnabas, and Mark, Lord. Because through these three men, Father, we're able to see conflict at work. We're able to see a sharp uh, um, conflict that they have, Lord. But how eventually, Father, they were able to sort things out how they allowed you to work in their hearts. Father, we pray right now. I pray right now, you know, everyone in this place, Father, you know the situations we are going through. You know if we're going through difficulties or through uh, afflictions or if we're going through conflicts or tribulations, Father. But I pray, Lord, that you'll help us, Father, to allow this situation to shape our hearts, to shape our lives that we will, uh, we will be able to walk the other side with growth, with maturity, Lord, to be more Christ-like, to be more humble, to be peacemakers. Help us, Father, to have the opportunity to forgive. Help us to have the opportunity to trust again. Help us to have the opportunity to restore if, if there are things that we can restore. Help us, Holy Spirit, to be guided by you. Today I pray, Father, that you help us, Lord. We need you. We need the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives to preach the gospel. We need the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives to live our lives here on earth, Father. Father, thank you because in Jesus, Lord, we have everything that we need. In Christ, Lord, we have your grace. Father, I pray that we will not forgive the grace that we have received receive and that we are also able to give by grace and to be loving and to be forgiving towards others lord father fill us with your presence today we pray and thank you lord thank you in the name of jesus we pray amen and amen